thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And today's podcast is a bit soulful, it feels to me. We've had some really amazing podcasts over the last couple of weeks. We've had some huge feedback from you guys on our Facebook page, and it's just been fabulous to feel so connected with so many of you guys and it really kind of inspired today's podcast for us to be able to look beyond the human form and look outside to see what else is available to us in the context of connection and and nature and how it feels to be connected to nature and how it feels to really become very present to what exists beyond just us and outside of our front door. So Cindy came up with the idea of talking about our connection to nature. So I say you kick us off, girlfriend. Me, girlfriend, yes. or Kim, girlfriend? You. <laughs> no, you, girlfriend. I love Cindy it. girlfriend. I'm Cindy, girlfriend. Oh, okay. Well, uh, like I, I have been in nature a lot lately. I've been very fortunate. A year ago, you, Miss Karen, and you, Kimmy, we were in Peru and oh. absolutely immersed in the Andes Mountains, oh. the Sacred Valley, the trails that we did. You know, it was a year ago, just over a year ago, we had come, we'd come home and I know we were all on a high. And I realised that of all the holidays I ever do or of all the time out that I, I do, if I don't do it in nature, it it doesn't revive me. So a couple of weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles City in the in the centre for a week. I I I, cu- I couldn't survive in it. I had to go for a walk up at Rundle Canyon. I had to go for a walk um, to the observatory, which was like a four or five hour hike in hot weather. Um, you know, so I realised that it's so important and. I've just been to Yosemite National Park. Oh, wow. I feel like, you remember that day, Kimmy, that I called you, I'd been on the four-phase fat elimination protocol for 10 days and you thought I was on drugs? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, very well. I don't know if you remember that, but I was absolutely um, in awe of of nature because I was in the mountains at that stage. And so I've been at Yosemite National Park I've been to a lot of national parks and I and I've seen a lot of amazing um, nature places. And it's funny, um, one of the girls that's with me at the moment, uh, who is my son's bo- girlfriend, she said to me, she said, "Cindy, would that be the best thing you've ever been to?" And I said, "Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. And I feel amazing. I'm energized, you know, through waterfalls and." over streams and it was it was just amazing and she said would that be your favorite place and I went oh it's really hard to say because the Andes were really good but oh so were the Himalayas and yeah so is Africa and and I realized everything that I talked about was about being in nature it was about getting out of the cities getting out of the luxuries of of life and hiking 
in whatever area it is, whether it be a desert plain, a mountain plain, um, along a beach, it just is something that revives me. Mm. Is it the – and I guess I wanted to ask you, Karen and Kim, because mm. Kim, you know, Kim with her um, oils is all about nature and I know my foods are all about nature, but it must have – there must be something about it that – um, mentally changes us, that switches us. So the minute I went from Los Angeles to Runyon Canyon or from Los Angeles to, um, I can't remember the name of the national park that's in Los Angeles or the state park, I don't know what it is, what is it that does that? Is that does that do that for everybody or do some people just love the city and hate um, spiders and snakes and, <laughs> and stuff, sand and mountain air and um, being wet by a, um, a – we went on the mist walk, um, which was amazing, in Yosemite, and you walk that close to the waterfall that you get sopping wet, absolutely sopping wet. So is it is it just – some people that are like that or do you think everybody needs to go back there? So I'm throwing the question back at both of you. Well, Kimmy, do you want to go first, love? Well, I mean, we do know from a scientific level the measurement of negative and positive ions compared to nature and, and cities and things like that. So we do know that walking on a beach or being close to water or being in a park or having areas where we are surrounded by nature has a real increased amount of what they call negative ions. And to compare that, I guess, and to to really feel the significant difference in that, you only have to walk into a a Harvey Norman or a computer shop and stand next to a whole lot of TV screens or screens to feel what it's like to be surrounded by a whole lot of positive ions. So the positive ions we know can bring our energy levels very down. Um, Sometimes our immune system is compromised. We're not vibrating at our most highest frequency. Therefore, we're not going to shake off bugs and colds. So if we're under fluorescent lights or in office um, environments a lot, then that is why some people will get sick a lot. Or if you're in a hospital environment that's supposedly cleansed air, it's recycled air-conditioned air, that has a lot of positive ions. So... The minute you step into nature or walk bare feet on grass or even just standing in your garden or under a tree or smelling a rose or being significantly in nature is when you will notice that the feeling just changes. And I don't know, Cindy, I'm yet to meet anyone who who doesn't feel the difference or who doesn't notice it. I think as human beings, we are naturally drawn to nature I think as human beings, our souls are absolutely inspired in nature. Um, I've not met anyone yet who, you know, gets up in the morning and goes for a walk and comes back and goes, damn, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, you know, so I think it's natural for us to to significantly pull ourselves into those spaces and want to be there. The challenge for a lot of us is the feeling that we're on a treadmill or the feeling like we haven't got time for that or the feeling like perhaps we're not even worthy of that time, like we we discount it because we we think we've got so many other things in the busyness of life to get on and do or that we go into martyrdom and feel like no one else is going to do it, so we might as well do it. So we probably... Um, self-sabotage ourselves in a way and deny ourselves the privilege by thinking other things are more important. But having been in places with you girls in particular, and I have to say to you, 
I still to this day have never laughed so hard as what we did in in the Andes Mountains when we saw Karen come oh, off oh that bloody God. horse. Here it is again. <laughs> so to be in nature and have a belly laugh is probably one of the greatest medicines. And I cannot wait for New Zealand with you this year. But you know, I think that's oh, why good. we've taken ourselves from doing you know big indoor events to having people come and share with us with that in nature I think it it fast tracks us to to God or universe or spirit or source it is a fast track way to connect with them and and I truly believe that's why we three have such an affinity and such a love for sharing that with others because we know in the busyness of our worlds how important it is for us to I guess find that balance or to recharge or to reconnect back in to find our soul our purpose and and what it is we're truly about and I'm sure that is why I am so drawn to essential oils because for for many of us that do struggle sometimes to get into nature, that is one of the quickest ways and easiest ways to bring nature to you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's there's also a there's a perfection about nature which is innate, and there's a beautiful energetic dance when we go into the metaphysical, meaning beyond physical. There's a beautiful energetic dance that occurs and synergy that occurs between the rocks and the water and then the and then the grass and the trees and the clouds and the sun and the the interaction between one tree and another tree and a vine and then a palm and a plant and the soil that it grows from. There's this beautiful synergistic energy that's constantly in support of the ecosystem when we're in nature and everything is just perfectly balanced in harmony and there's a there's a frequency there's a measurable vibrational frequency that can be ascertained when we go into those environments that can um, which is what we see and what we feel and when you take in those beautiful smells of the pine cones or the beautiful smells of the fresh soil the fresh earth there's a sensation that happens inside of the body that brings us back into harmony. It's almost like um, it's, it's, it's finding synergy. And, and, and Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this as well. He says, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of people drumming frantically all over the shop with no rhythm and, no, you know, it's just all very messy, and then you put four drummers in there who actually do have a beat and they all drum to the same beat, eventually all of the other drummers will, will eventually fall into synchronization. <laughs> And it's almost like when you think of um, flocks of birds, how a flock of birds can be flying in one direction and then all of a sudden they'll all turn instantaneously and simultaneously and fly in another direction. Yeah. And schools I've of always fish, wondered they do how this. they don't bang into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Oh. I know. Oh. So there's this, there's this natural law of harmony that occurs in nature and it does actually occur inside of the human being. But because we have such a distracted life and because we've become so conditioned outside of that harmony to um, do the things that we do, to live in the disrupted environments that we do with Wi-Fi and electromagnetic fields and so on, we've lost our ability to um, identify with harmony and instead we're identifying with money and success and competition and whatever else. So... When we go into nature, 
it's almost as if you don't have words for it. You can't describe it, but you just know that there's a different sensation that makes you feel good because ultimately nature is singing to a hymn sheet that when you go into nature, the longer you're in there, the more likely you are to sing to the same hymn sheet, which is why when we had so much longer, you know, we had such a long time in the Andes, we were all very connected to each other. We were all in harmony with each other. We were all in harmony with the mountains, the, the, the water, everything around us. After five days, we felt very grounded, very connected and very much in harmony. It's, it's as if, you know, all of the mountains and the animals and the beauty of nature was all beating the same beat and then we came in all disrupted and eventually we just all got in tune. So it's – um. I think that there's this, well, I know that there's this beautiful energist, uh, energetic harmony that we tune into. And the more we're in nature, the more we associate with a very grounded, very real sense of self. And there's this, I can't remember who said it, but they said if we could put music to the vibrational frequency of every organ in the body, we would have the most extraordinary symphony and harmony. And then, of course, when something's, you know, out of sync and out of harmony, then it kind of throws the beat out a little bit. But when everything is in harmony, there's a beautiful symphony. And if we could do the same thing globally with the human and all of nature, then we'd be talking about an orchestra of, you know, of, of, of magnitude that's beyond our comprehension. And I just think that would be amazing for us to be able to take those frequencies and put them to sound. Mm. I just I, I want somebody to do that. Mm. <laughs> I really want somebody to do that. I think that would be amazing. I know that there are places in the states that are working on on that and being able to um, use functional um, magnetic resonance imaging and the um, and other uh, machines that can measure the frequencies. They are working on being able to put that towards sound. How far they've gotten with it, though, I don't know. But wouldn't that just be amazing to walk into a forest and hear it? Mm not just see it. (sighs) Is that to do similar with that thing where, I'm not sure where I read it or heard it, where you might be able to help me, there was I think 4,000 Tibetan monks who meditated in Central Park in New York over a certain number of hours and it significantly reduced um, the, the levels of crime that were happening and there was a lot of testing around, well, it wasn't just the timing, it was when they did it and how they did it. And, uh, you know, there was there was no question that that significant moment in time where they were all meditating had an effect on uh, New York itself. Is, is that something either of you have heard of or know much about? Yeah, back in 1983, there was an experiment done, and there's been a number of them done since just for extra testing. But they took 200 Um, people to sit in a room doing transcendental meditation and the um the governor for police recorded a drop in crime across the state of 23 percent during the time of the meditation and he said that the only other thing that would have crime drop so significantly is if um everybody slept (laughs) if nobody woke up wow so he said there would be nothing else that could that could promote such a huge drastic drop in crime other than than you know nobody waking up for the day. Yeah, and it was over a week. It was over a week. So it was um yeah, it was pretty profound. Pretty profound. But there's been heaps of other experiments done similarly. Mm. 
where they found 3%, 16%, 18%, and depending on the size of the population. It's, they, there hasn't been an experiment done around meditation where they haven't seen a decrease in some way, shape, or form in crime or tension or stress. Yeah, it's pretty profound. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. You don't feel like committing a crime when you're in the middle of nature, do you? I mean, really. True that. Mm. True that. Uh, okay, let's let's just talk about um, people, and I, I'm going to go here. But let's just talk about people who are in Africa, and I've come across them, and they're poachers, and they are actually I haven't come across the poachers, but I've come across the people that go to hunt wild game, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we've seen photos, so we feel like that. But you put these people out there, they just want to kill an animal. The poachers just want to buy the or get the rhino horn um, and sell it. It's, it's, it's worth an absolute fortune on the Asian market. It's meant to be an aphrodisiac, yet there's no proof that it, it is an aphrodisiac. And yet they continue to kill these beautiful rhinos for their horns. So while we feel like that and, and we've created this beautiful conversation about it and I agree entirely with you guys, why are other people who go into nature just want to go either poach these beautiful animals that are, you know, we're pulling them into distinction, um, into extinction, or why do they want to kill them? Karen, I am, like, you must be just horrified oh. being who you are. Like, you know, I will eat an animal. You know, I know that. I, I eat animals. Um, but I'm, I'm about, you know, about, now, now I'm feeling really bad about the fact that I'm eating animals when I'm talking about what these. <laughs> 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 I can actually oh, hear your count? voice. I, I just, can hear, I can hear I can a backtracking. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no let, let's forget that I eat animals. Let's just go. Um, let's just go but, back to what the, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, just let, let's go back to that. And because I'm, you know, friends of ours, um, they have a – and they, these are the people that have actually created the whole tour to Africa um, for us, and it's Safari Frank. And, and they're, they're, the thing that they do with Safari Frank is that the money that they make, they put into um, the stopping of poaching of the rhinoceros mm-hmm. and especially the white rhino. And, and that's why I'm so excited about going to Africa is that this is what – we are putting our money towards is that yes we're being taken on a beautiful expedition through Namibia through Botswana through Zimbabwe and South Africa but the money that is being raised um, you know and it's not the whole lot but a, a percentage of it goes to save those rhinos so why is it some people get out there and they just kill wild game and these beautiful animals. And But they don't eat them. They don't use them. They either just stuff them, get a photo of themselves on it. And it, it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. makes me really sick to see it. And it makes me sick to see these rhinos with their horns cut off and the babies laying beside mm, them. Don't. To wake up. Yeah. And so while nature gives all of that to us, there are other spirits and, and people out there that, um, I don't know, it does the exact opposite. You know, they want to cut down the trees. They want to destroy our forest, you know, the Amazon. and Honey, I cried I standing there watching my gar- the gardener come around and chop my hedge 
in two feet. Oh. I, I stood there sobbing, going, you can't cut the hedge. I was oh, an my absolute goodness. cop case because it, he took two metres off it and I couldn't believe I honestly felt like I would be terrible in the Amazon jungle watching. I, I'd be killed. There's just I'd get killed in Africa if I was trying to save a rhino. By the probably by the rhino and anyone else out there. I can't, I don't understand it. I was speaking to someone the other day though, whose brother tragically died in a helicopter accident, and he was a hunter from the heli. He used to go out and hunt deer from a helicopter, and I found it really hard to say I'm really sorry um, when she told me how he died, and it was terrible because it was awful. But I go, wow, I, I. They have a different mentality and a different um, perception about that being okay. You wouldn't do that if you didn't think it was okay. So, so these poachers, whether it's driven by poverty or a lack or whatever, I, I don't understand it. But we've never been in their position either. I'm not making it right. I don't. I don't. I don't know. There's just a different perception here. I think if you think about. Um you know, the nature of the human and our ability to be desensitised and, you know, no disrespect to people who do eat animals with what I'm about to say, but even to that extent, we are desensitised. You know, you go into a feedlot or you go into a beautiful farm that is looking after cows but growing them in order to make them food, that's still nature. And the fact that that can happen is simply a case of us just being desensitized to, um, you know, our our ability to take life because we have the ability to do it. We do it. And, you know, we can go back as far as religious times and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And there's all kinds of different conversations about that, you know, killing food, killing animals to eat it or killing animals to feed your family in another way. You know, in Africa I grew up there. And I remember that the poaching was always a huge issue when I was a kid. And they didn't have the laws in place back then that they do now. So poaching was prolific. And I remember even back then, it used to just hurt me and debilitate me so dramatically that I couldn't go to school. My mum and dad would be wondering why I was lying on my floor and I was five years old and I would just be sobbing because I would have seen something on the news or heard of something from our nannies. and. I think there is, you know, this this need to survive that drives a lot of that behaviour and we can become desensitised to such an extent that we don't feel anymore. We're not in tune anymore. We've disconnected our, from our ability to feel the connection between us and another creature or another piece of life or another piece of existence. We're disconnected from that because if you take a child out to a farm where they grow cattle or sheep for food and you show a child that, the child won't ever go near meat. They'll never eat it because they've, they, they have that association. But as we get older, because we buy our food from woolies or from the butcher or what have you, we're desensitized to the process of the killing, of the taking of the life. And then yeah. obviously the same thing happens in the tribes. You know, I remember our, our nannies, you know, they would always go back to their tribes and the men would be out hunting and the women would be, you know, back in the villages during the preparation of the food. 
it's just the need to survive and the desensitization to the to that process but then you know sometimes i think we go too far like you know the hunters who kill for sport i think we go too far and i think that there's that natural cycle of life where everything is part of a cycle you know i think there's there's that aspect to it but then there's also the extreme aspect to it and there's always extremists in everything in religion in health well-being in sickness there's always extremists in everything and those extremists those are the ones that hunt for sport and for trophy for tr- trophy hunting well you know that's a whole other conversation that i'm totally holding myself back from right now but <laughs> you know i i'm i'm in ferocious disagreement of and you know they should be part of the cycle of life themselves so for people who go out hunting and they they you know they experience what the dangers are and the hazards of that that choice well you know so be it i just think that um in and of itself that is probably a cycle i don't know mm. and i think that desensitization is right um that you know we go to the grocery store we mm. we buy we buy our food at the grocery store so it's not only the desensitization karen of um that they pick up the meat and 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 they don't even know how that animal Everything. lives. They know nothing. They don't know how it was killed. They don't know. Mm. They don't even know what part of the animal that it came from. They they don't know a lot. But we can go through the whole grocery store. They don't totally. know how the food's produced. They don't know what chemicals are being sprayed. I, I have to tell you a story because it's about chemicals being sprayed. So we um we were walk we were. I'm driving from Reno, Nevada, to Boise, Idaho, and it's a lonely track. I can tell you that now. Um, it's very desert, uh, and there's not many petrol stations along the way. And I, um, I, Howard needed to get petrol. We needed some lunch. We it was a 12-hour drive um, in the vehicle that we're in. So we stopped and we made. We have a motorhome with us, so we stopped and we made it. And it was in the middle of the desert. It was. You could see for as far as you could see with mountains just in the background with snow on it, believe it or not. And I'd made lunch. We all sat down and ate lunch um, in the air conditioning because it was 40-something degrees outside and a blowing a very hot wind. But we, I decided to go to the petrol station, which was a bit of a, a walk away. But I decided to go because I had rubbish and um, needed to go to the loo and, you know, things like that. And as I walked past this truck that was at the side of the petrol station, it said aqua herbicide on it. So you know me. Uh, I went straight to the front of the truck and looked up at the driver and said, excuse me, what's that aqua herbicide? What's it called? And he told me the name of it. And I said, what's the active ingredient? And he said, glyphosate. And I said to him, you know, you need to be careful about that. He says, yeah, I've heard that um, the California have just called it, a ca- it, it causes cancer. Um, as of July 21st, it will have to say that it, it causes cancer. So here we are in the middle of nowhere in a desert region. I'm speaking to this gentleman that goes into the waterways and sprays herbicide with glyphosate. He then told me that he goes to all the power poles and he keeps the power poles around the power poles clean. But the workers that work 
near the, the power poles want to know that glyphosate's being sprayed, so they ask them to spray it with a dye as well. So the glyphosate is sprayed, the dye is sprayed. And then we were talking, he, he was great. Their names were Stanley and I can't remember the, the second guy's name. There were two of them because then the whole conversation started. I keep picturing then, if they only knew who was walking up to them, if they only <laughs> knew. <laughs> were your kids in the car going, oh, my God, Mum, oh, my God. Who was that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. We were in um, Idaho. Then they, they told me they were from Idaho and they said, do you know where we live in Idaho that the cancer rate has soared as well as <sighs> And multiple sclerosis, and um, he he said they they live near a food bowl where wheat is grown, and they spray the glyphosate on the wheat. Where there's some um, potatoes, they grow potatoes. We as we drove through this area, I think he was talking about. I saw acres and acres of mint. You should have smelt it. It was amazing, and I and I kept hearing his words. That they spray all of these beautiful crops, and not only with glyphosate but with other chemicals. So he, we don't know what is happening. Not only where our hey. but where our food is is coming from, and where this beautiful mountain water is being sprayed um, with glyphosate. It's called an aqua herbicide. Oh, we had these these two guys and I, you know, we had the, the best conversation. So then I told them that I had um, come to America to talk about what's with wheat. Um, and so they were very keen to watch the documentaries. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the conversations you have, but this is, I think this is it. As I was out in nature and I felt like nature was being destroyed. Oh. And unless we make a stand and we start to take an active interest in our environment around us and how our food is being produced, I think we're just no better than that person who goes into nature and destroys it in some way because we are, if we're not oh. taking an active interest in it, we are actually contributing to the problem. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and like, I, I think, I don't know why, you know, I, I know we started this conversation you know, about nature. But if we don't protect it as individuals, um, you know, we're not going to have it and we're not going to be able to get those beautiful ions that, you you know, we've been talking about and um, the health of our, of our, our, you know, the whole human race is, is, is not going to do well. So I think, Cindy, it's, it's come full circle almost, you know, because if, our, our, our conglomerates and food manufacturers, they're so desensitised, they could not give a damn. They're only about profit. So their destruction and the killing and, the, and, the, and all of that of our nature, they don't care. So the only ones that actually can do anything about it, like you say, is us. It's the individual person yeah. who takes back control, takes back the power of looking after nature and looking after the body so that then that harmony isn't compromised because there's always going to be the poachers, there's always going to be the food manufacturers and there's always going to be, you know, the, the the hunters for sport and, you know, those are the ones that are so desensitised they don't care. Mm. That, it, you know, uh, it just, it's just, it just I had a bit of an aha, glow, a light glow moment there. 
Mm. One of the things that his name is Kendall, by the way, Kendall and Stanley. One of the things that they did say is they said that Monsanto has been bought out by um, one company and that company has been bought out by another company. And he basically said, you know, there's only one or two companies that are ruling um, the chemical industry. And, and they seem to, they don't, I know, there seems to be a non caring about it. And so you're right. The companies are there to make money for their shareholders and, and, and that's what it's all about. Whereas we as individuals, and if for anybody listening to this, Let's make a stand, you know, and uh, you guys have been listening to us for years now and we talk about this, but let's not just talk about it. And I know we, the three of us act on this all the time. So I, I want all of our listeners to start acting on this. Find out in your council what chemical they're spraying on your parks and playgrounds and verges, what Find out from your farmers what chemicals are being sprayed on your foods. Find out from the farmer that's next door to you, you know, what are you spraying? I, I kept looking as I'm driving past all these beautiful farms with all this beautiful food and I, for some reason I didn't feel good about it because of what Kendall and Stanley had told me, that mm. they were just spraying all of these beautiful foods with these chemicals. So maybe we, as together, as a collective, the up for chatters and all of the listeners. And for those people who want to experience a nature that is um, is with a group of people that think the same, uh, come to New Zealand and come to Africa with us and let's, let's see these wonderful lands. You come back, change a different person. You never come back that same person. Every time I visit another place, I come back a different person because I see a different culture, I see how people live, I see the beauty of nature and I just go, I don't want this destroyed and if I don't make a stand as an individual, I know that nobody, you know, and you think that one person can't make a difference and I saw it the other day on Facebook. Um, If you think you're too small to make a difference, think about one mosquito in a tent. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's That's so right. So true. Yeah, yeah. One mosquito in a big tent. Gold. (laughs) Do you know the other beautiful thing about nature to me and and where we get quite creative is um, it's almost the pause between the noise. So there's so much noise in our world. But when you take a moment to get out, like I'm just picturing us all tramping and trekking in New Zealand now and I'm I'm so looking forward to it. But I'm thinking, you know, it's quite cool also when you know you're going to go and do a hike or you know you're going to go and walk the beach before sunset or you know you're just going to even walk to the letterbox with bare feet, that you do it try doing it with an added intention behind it and and do it with a you know an intention of I don't know sometimes I come back and I think I'm not going to yell at my children that that's my intention (laughs) um other times I think you know can you please universe give me the answer or support me to find the answer give me a sign and and I love doing that on my beach where if I'm making a decision on something then sometimes I'll walk down to my beach and I'll ask for a sign and if a butterfly should appear and it has to go across the front of my face in order for me to really believe it, um, but often this is so bizarre, it actually happens, then I always take that as a sign as my grandmother has just said, that's a great idea, you know. 
um, when we look, there's a beautiful book called Signposts. I can't remember the author's name, but he, they talk a lot in there around the signs and nature is a great barometer for signals and signs. If you learn what you were saying, Karen, how to tap into it and to actually get into the rhythm of it, maybe the more we practice it, it's probably like meditation or mindfulness where you actually hear um, more in the solitude and quietness of nature than what you do obviously in the, the everyday noise of living and being who we are. I want to ask you both, it sounds so romantic and so idyllic, but it, you know, like what about on the days that we're frantic or you're a mum with two kids or you're, you've had to take your puppies to the vet and life's busy and, and what, what is both your recommendations on how we check into that? <laughs> How do we Stay it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, though, you know, because it's it sounds so mm-hmm. idyllic going on hikes to Africa and New Zealand, but the reality is for a lot of people that's not possible. So what else can we do to create that same feeling? For me, I'm going to butt in, Karen. <laughs> go, go, go. Yeah. For me, it's my daily, it's my morning routine. It's my getting up. I don't look at any social media. I go straight to the beach. I spend time on the sand in the water. And even though my day may end up exactly what you just talked about, Kimmy, I know the next morning I can be revived. And even in the evening when I listen to our beautiful Joe Dispenza's uh, gorgeous um, meditations, he actually puts me into a new place as well. So I may not be able to do it during the day, maybe some deep breaths or I might ring one of you <laughs> and, and just have a, you know, have a debrief, you know, do something like that. But for the most part, you know, sometimes I can't get out of it. Um, it's just one thing after the other. It's this, it's, it, it, it does become that. But to know that in less than, you know, 12 hours I can be on the water in the sand, in nature somewhere. So, yeah, I, that's a hard one, Kim, because I know I, uh, for, for me, I get into that and I'm completely, I'm in it and, and I can't seem to get myself out of it until it's finished and then I will get myself out of it. Karen, what about you? Um, I try when... When things start to get really frantic or they get a little bit out of control for me, the only thing that I can do is force myself to come back and be very present and be very focused on the detail of that moment and specifically just of that moment. So I use that analogy where um, I fall out of the sky and I say to myself, okay, well, imagine that I've just fallen out of the sky right this minute and I've landed in this skin right here. This is my very first moment on this planet and right in front of me is my fuzzy man and he's got to go to the vet. So I get in the car and I take him to the vet and, you know, I'm standing in front of the vet and he's telling me, you know, Fuzzy had to have his little toe amputated um, three weeks ago because he had a cancerous growth on the pad of his foot and it was very localised so they just took the little pinky toe. Um, But, you know, traumatic for me, of course, but the most important thing that I can try and do for myself is force myself to be present because if I launch into the future of what's going to happen to him, then I go into all sorts of conniption mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, it just, I, I, and, and even in my business and with my relationship with my family, if I launch into the future of what could be happening, then it's all too unmanageable for me. But um, 
So, yeah, staying as present as I possibly can and focusing on the detail of just that moment and then forcing myself to feel like I just fell out of the sky and what's in front of me, just let me deal with that. Now, here's another moment. I've just fallen out of the sky. What's in front of me? Let me deal with that. And I just keep doing that until I get past the sense of um, franticism or anxiety or whatever is there. And then, like you, Cindy, I, you know, I do have little rituals that I do in the morning. I tend to meditate most mornings. Um, I wake up and go straight to my meditation pillow and I'll sit there for a minimum of 20 minutes, either doing transcendental meditation or some kind of guided meditation. And I am loving Joe Dispenza's morning meditation mm-hmm. and his blessing yeah. of the energy centers. I love that one. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm loving doing all of that sort of stuff. And then in the nighttime, um, you know, I don't sit and watch the telly. I'll jump into bed with something fabulous that I've downloaded on my Kindle or I'll sit and do something in my manifestation journal or, you know, meditation again. And I do, you know, try and exercise as much as I can. So if I feel like it's all getting a bit frantic and sometimes during the day, especially of late, by 11 o'clock I'm feeling like, no, 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 this is all too much. I'll put my shoes on and I'll go for a run. Or I'll put my cosy on and I'll head down to the local pool and I'll cut some laps. So um, burning off the energy does seem to work too. <laughs> it just all accumulates inside. <laughs> it is true though, isn't it? I mean, you look at children, you look at animals, domesticated pets and things like that. They're just, you know, even as a mum, that you've just got to get your kids outside or you've got to take them to the park or you've got to walk your dog. or Like it is actually a divine need of us mm. as humans isn't it to to actually get into nature otherwise you get cranky you're not nice you're not looking out for yourself you're probably not thinking clearly so it's it's actually rather than thinking wouldn't it be nice it's it, we should actually be talking about the fact that how do we make this a reality every single moment of every single day in order to have good nourishment you look at anybody that's diagnosed with a long-term illness one of the first things that people suggest is to get into nature get to a retreat eat clean food make sure that you're not having toxins and stress on the system and the body my question is why do we have to wait till we get an illness in order to realize this like perhaps it's time as as parents and as as the generation that we're in is to start really focusing on on the absolute necessity and importance of connecting into what mother nature has provided for us on a daily basis it would probably fix most illnesses out there just by being able to take the space and the time or even I don't know, again, you might be able to help me on this one, Karen, but even the visualisation of nature mm. is is a powerful tool, which is where meditation would come in so handy. And I also love Joe, and, and I flick back to Dr. Michelle Nielsen's where she'll do her long magical beach walk or her forest walk or her this. You can actually create that, and I'm pretty sure I've read that you have the same physiological and biological reaction by visualizing these things as well is is that right yeah well the the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined so when we do go into those beautiful um, visualizations we are essentially taking on the energy of that the trees or of the horses or of the mountains or of the beach we are essentially taking on the energy of course biologically there's a there's there's much more enhanced benefit to actually be in the presence of it and exchange physical energy but 
the body can do that in and of itself because in actual fact, and I know now that this is about to go down the rabbit hole, but we are all one. So we are already one with the trees. We are already one with the mountains. Um, so that's kind of why we can have those visualizations and still get the same sensation because it's all inside of us anyway. It's all part of existence. It's all part of consciousness. But that's another conversation. <laughs> I like it though. I, I love it. <laughs> so, I, I, okay, I have a question. Uh, can you have you answered? You've answered the how, how you do it. So, I have a question. You're in the madness of it all. Okay, you're in the madness of it all. How do you stop yourself and then do that visualization, or take yourself outside, or? Take a breath, or because sometimes, and, and I know people you just scream, <laughs> you just scream in the moment and say, "I'm a level one soul." You can all get stuffed. I'm having a moment. That's what you do. There you go. There you go. <laughs> sometimes you do though, don't you? Yeah. Or is it just me? No. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. <laughs> there was a. There was a. Um, and I just wish I could remember where I get these or read this. There was something that I read and sometimes, it, you know, you hear something and it's right information at the right time and it creates the shift that you're ready for. But you've probably heard it a hundred times before and it didn't quite register. And I was reading something probably one night in my Kindle and it was um, about, you know, um, loving yourself enough to make yourself a priority over and above everything and everyone. And I've heard that a hundred times, and yeah, 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 but I'm so busy, yeah, yeah, but I've got so many people that I serve, yeah, yeah, but, but, but. And it was at the beginning of this year that I must have been in the right frame of mind or whatever it was, but when I read it, it really resounded with me profoundly that everything is about me. The whole world exists in service of me. The nature is there in service of me. The food is there in service of me. The people are there in service of me. Of course, I'm there in service of it and them. But in my world, I'm the center of my universe. And it was quite a profound kind of realization where I realized that actually here I've got all of these incredible resources around me and I don't dance with it. I don't interact with it. I try and be independent of it, one, because I think I'm so busy, and two, because I think I can be. I think I'm, I'm competent enough to be. But since the beginning of the year when I've been, you know, putting a lot more effort into my exercising, putting a lot more effort into going away, putting a lot more effort into my retreats, being in nature with them when I'm doing my retreats, really following my own inclinations around being in nature, and it's made a massive massive difference to my sense of calm and sense of peace that strangely enough I don't feel even in those frantic times when I'm totally off the charts I don't feel that I'm out of control I feel like it's very deliberate and that I can cope does that make sense yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah, she is our guru. Thinking, thinking, oh, I, I don't know about that. Thinking, God, where were you when my kids were toddlers, and where were you when my husband <laughs> just did something that was very vexatious the other day? But you know, like seriously, I, I you are our guru. 
My name is Kim Danny Morrison. Danny was very vexing. <laughs> My name is Kim Morrison, and I clearly do not have a strong sense of quiet. No. <laughs> <laughs> And I have a vexing husband. Just there you go. <laughs> oh, bless them. It is challenging, but then I think sometimes too in the moment it's okay to let out a little bit of steam or to, to be a little oh, bit frustrated, sure. isn't it? And sometimes and the greatest thing I've learned is the art of apology too. Just you know, just remembering that it is okay to say sorry afterwards or I've had a moment or um, trying to teach my children how to contain their emotions. It doesn't work if you're doing the same. So I think I think one of the greatest things I've learned as my kids have become teenagers is the art of not being shocked in the moment. Um, <laughs> is, is trying very hard to ensure one's oh, Kimmy, you crack me up. very level-headed and level-minded <laughs> as they're sharing information or telling me what's going on out there in their world. And you just sit there and go, wow. And my favourite line for all you mums of teenagers listening that gives you a breath and a moment to breathe is that you just respond with two words. No matter what they say, no matter how they say it, no matter what's going on, you take a deep breath and you say, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness, I can see your face. (laughs) Wow, that's, that's really interesting. It just, it stops all judgment it stops all uh, reactive um, <laughs> measures that might be going on inside one's head and heart. But, yes, I, I, in fact, it's probably a powerful word to use at any age or any stage in any situation, those two words. That's, that's interesting. There you go. There's my, my two cents worth. <laughs> Profound, isn't it? You just took us down the rabbit hole and I just brought us right back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is gold. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting. So tell me then, do either of you two have favourite nature places? Like where, where's your go-to when you can? I mean, we're pretty privileged living on the Sunshine Coast. Everywhere yeah. we look, there's water, yeah. there's bush, there's trees. I will remind all listeners, however, there is also quite a lot of trepidation and fear for Kiwis when we are in these bushes and places. There are a number of things that slither, sting, bite, burn, sting, you kill, you eat you. So one is very aware that when one is on the beach, one notices that even a glorious fish can kill you in that water. So... So I will say that um, whilst they're a favourite place here, it was very interesting being back in New Zealand just recently and I watched a whole lot of school children cross the road in bare feet and I sat there with my fellow Kiwis going, ha, you wouldn't get that in Australia, would you? Hey, there's no such thing as bare feet living over there. And they're like, oh, why? Like, don't they get hot? I went, no, they're more concerned with being eaten. So um, it's, it's, it's quite interesting in Australia and New Zealand. You can actually go bare feet quite a lot. So I just want to know, where's your go-to, you two? At the, on the Sunshine Coast, um, are you talking about? Well, you travel quite a lot. So, yeah. I mean, what do you do? Like, I think it's more re- relevant perhaps as to where you go or what you do to connect to nature wherever you are. I just I, – I, I get my Google Maps out and I look for the nearest green patch. <laughs> that, that's after you've done the Coffee Bean app though, isn't it, the Bean Hunter app. You've, you've looked at that one first. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, you're right. I have to do Bean Hunter first. And after I've done Bean Hunter, I go to the green patch. So, 
Yeah, like right now I'm in Idaho. Um, I'm staying, I'm here because of a wedding. Um, we're staying at the parents' house of the girl that's being married and it it's in the middle of um, Boise but they live on a, a huge block and it's like being in nature. I don't have to move from here. There's so much greenery and trees and grass. Their grass is their grass isn't like our grass. I don't, I don't know what they do to their grass. But it's, so lately I've been going and laying on the grass. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the green patch, Kimmy, for me. And, um, yes, I did find a good coffee shop. Yes, you know me too well. What about you, Kim? What do you do? Um, you know, I'm, I think thankfully being around you girls and, and, and probably always being interested in the outdoors and always loving getting out running has always been a, a go-to for me and, a, you know, or walking. Um, but probably for me the most powerful tool I have in my life is essential oils. They really do anchor me. They give me a real sense of connection. They, I could be sitting in the middle, like I was just in the middle of, uh, actually I was at the Lions and All Blacks test match with, that was a very interesting cultural experience. Um, when you're speaking of culture and tradition, I'm not quite sure if it's what we would call a really beautiful culture, but an interesting culture at that. But having said that, I had my bag there and in the middle of the game, I pull out my little spritzer bottle <laughs> and I do a little spritz just to calm a little farm because it was getting a bit tense and, and there was a lot of lion supporters around us going for it. And, and then the minute we had a streaker go across the middle of the field, it was kind of like, I, I don't know, I just, it was so funny. I went to the bathroom, I put a drop of rose oil on me when I came back, everybody was asking me what I was wearing um everybody was you know it was it's just I have my oils everywhere I go no matter how intense and full-on life is there is always my spritzer we have a gong go off every hour here in the office that um on one of the girls apps on Cassie's app and we hear the gong go off on the hour every hour and that is a signal for every one of us in the office to stand up spritz stretch turn around and then sit back down and at lunchtime we all go outside and we make sure we take a deep breath outside or try and walk um sometimes I'll have a meeting or a phone call and I'll actually walk to our little um there's a little waterway thing where we work and I'll walk out there and come back and make that my phone call so I'll try and always um do something but it's it's just being mindful of doing it and making the effort to do it and not thinking that life's so busy we can't do it so um they're my little go-tos but certainly um whenever I travel you know I'm always I have to find somewhere green as well and I have to be somewhere that's one of the local places or go for a walk up the one of the hills or you know take a walk even down the street just to get to the local park or something like that I absolutely love um making sure that wherever I am there's a there's a moment in my day that is is mindful out in nature that's what I do darlings I like so I cute. like that idea. I think it's brilliant, Kim. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool, and it, it makes it a really neat team thing as well. I mean, we're lucky. We're it's an aromatherapy company. I'd expect nothing less, really. But <laughs> <laughs> and I had my diffuser on at home, and I had, you know, it's 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 creating rituals around self care that connect you to nature. And nature, she's got her arms around us every single moment of every single day. It's it's my way of looking back at her and saying thank you and. 
I'm so grateful for where we live, and I'm sure many of our listeners, no matter where they are, there is a green belt, there's a park, there's a. It's just whether or not you're committed to making it a choice to make the effort to get out there and enjoy it, or be a part of it, or do you become the martyr and think it's not fair, it's too hard, I'm too busy. We all know that if you make the effort to go and walk outside for a few minutes, you're probably going to be a lot more productive for the next hour of working anyway. So why we fight it sometimes, I'm not sure. But in the middle of chaos and mayhem, I will put a drop of oil on my perfume points or snort the heck out of a bottle while I'm saying that's interesting. That that's my, <laughs> that's where I go. <laughs> I just want to see you do that with Jacob. Oh, there's quite a few. Last night, you, I, I, I was actually picturing, you know, the universe. <laughs> I always say to people, you know. How would you feel if, if the, the world's television cameras were in your lounge room as you're talking to your children or to someone that's upset you? You know, it was in that moment I, I said, I am taking a moment, Jacob, to go to the bathroom and snort something before I answer that. So, yes, it is a very good pull to connect you back into staying calm. Uh, and last night was a very good example. <laughs> He's such a rat bag. I, I often wonder if one day they. He's here to test you. Oh, I he's wonder, here to test he you. He is, darling. Something you haven't Imagine <laughs> in 10 years' time if he goes back and listens to these. I'm going to say it to you right now, Jacob. You challenged me. If you ever listen to these podcasts, I want you to know that you have taught me the art of patience, <laughs> tolerance, acceptance, love no matter what. I, I thank you for that wholeheartedly, you divine soul. <laughs> I'm thinking of taking him to the vet, actually. I wonder if he'll ever (laughs) listen to, I don't know what number we're up to. We must be up to 200 and something, which is well over probably 300 hours. (gasps) Just not hear that one, Kimmy. (laughs) I I just love it when one of our listeners comes up and they go, oh, hello, Taylor. I've heard so much about you. Oh, Jake. Oh, Jacob. Mm, mm. It's lovely to meet you. Oh, (laughs) dear. Your poor mother. (laughs) I love it. Oh, that's gold. Sorry, Kaz. What do you do, my darling? Oh, me. Um, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, I'm a tree hugger. So I do I do love to hug a tree. Um but similarly I I if if I've got to choose between the ocean and bushland, I'll always go bushland, even though I don't like the crawly slithery things. Um, I'll find a spot where they're not there. And I just go stand there and hug a tree. So I do. I do love a hike. I do love a, a bushland um, walk. If I'm feeling a bit frantic throughout the course of the day, though, because of where we do live is so stunning, I will head straight to the beach, dig my feet into the sand, and just watch the water. And the, the I love to watch the sun on top of the ocean and watch it dance like little diamonds on top of the ocean. I just love that. I think that's stunning. And then I'll just tell myself a story about how I'm one with that and that's in me and that'll usually refresh me. I'm then back into it. <laughs> but yeah, it is it's it's all about um it's all about the very green, green, green. Kaz, Kaz, and you go camping again. I'm just I'm interested to know if you'd go camping again. <laughs> hmm, hmm, well, hmm, not so sure. No, I was okay. waiting for you to go and now I've got this new love of camping and it didn't come. <laughs> 
you know. No, mind you, we did actually have a bit of a giggle and decided we might film Kaz's camping show next time I go camping because it's quite hysterical. Oh, my God. I think you should. It would probably be how she created power to to power up her straighteners. I think it would be kind of like, you know, do you remember that Russell Coit? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love him. I love him. Okay, I look forward to that. I will look forward to that. Very Kaz's Coit goes camping. There you go. Dear (laughs) Omi. Because really, it's all about the toileting. I mean, seriously. it's 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 no see no well, why did we have to go there honey now that's I, nature no. that's nature what did your forefathers and foremothers do with long drops and things sweetheart sweetheart connect in look yeah right okay good good no <laughs> hugging trees back to hugging trees <laughs> puppies in paddocks kittens with little whiskers there we go <laughs> oh i love you love you dear oh dear hey you know what we're out of time Oh. We've done our we've done our full time on the podcast. Oh, oh. I feel like we've only just started. <laughs> we can keep going when we finish. Oh. Keep going. Yeah, right you are. Right, right. <laughs> oh, lovely two girls. Enjoy Idaho, beautiful Cindy. We love the fact that you're there and you made time for us all and enjoy mm. that wedding that you are the celebrant at. You're just gonna be amazing and we want lots of photos. Absolutely. And, and I have to tell you that um, Kim Morrison is the absolute most amazing celebrant and she has helped me with this um, wedding as she did the last wedding that I did. So I just want to thank you publicly, Kimmy. You have I – read, I read through it and I cry every time I read through it, but I, I hear your words in there as well always. <laughs> I just hear you. Yeah, yeah, so it's you and me together doing this, so thank you. And I know Karen celebrant too everybody by the way she's one too oh yes but i've never i've never really pursued it so let's just give it all to kimmy (laughs) (laughs) hey well how about kez here's a challenge how about what if you got married in nature and and i became i was a celebrant and cindy in her apricot puff sleeves could be the the bridesmaid and nice. I, I'm actually, I, that could be televised. That could be a good thing. Look, if we were in nature, Cindy would have to be dressed as Bear Grylls or naked. Seriously? <laughs> I'm going to have my furs on. I'm going to have my furs on. Oh, dear. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, Kimmy, I suggest you have a little conversation with Jeffrey and see how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, actually, everybody that's listening, I'm not dating somebody different. Yeah, I was going to say. Jeffrey is the nickname that I have for Matt. So, <laughs> just th- I'm glad you clarified that one, beautiful girl. Yeah, that just struck me. Then I thought, oh dear, everybody's going to think that I'm not with Matt anymore. But no, same, same, same person. Oh, anyway, what a beautiful podcast. We digress. Love you, darling. This has been fun. This has been heaps of fun. Thanks for tuning in with us, Cindy, all the way from Thank overseas. <laughs> beautiful all right everybody well hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we have it's time to go to our facebook page dollarws.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments there and we love 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 hearing from you so give us some feedback tell us about some topics that you'd like to hear us discuss as well now kimmy the gorgeous soul has also mentioned a couple of times our treks to new zealand and also to 
Africa. So I wanted to let you guys know we are trekking off to New Zealand at the end of 2017, um, and we have one spot left, just one spot. So go to the website, awakenthechangewithin.com, and that's where you can find all of the information about both our Africa trip, which is 2019, uh, sorry, 2018. Um, you can find all about Africa, which is um, late 2018, and you can also find out about the last spot that's remaining for New Zealand. So go ahead and check those out, and if you would like to join us, I really encourage you to reach out to me personally. Email me at info at karensmith.com and try and get your email to me ASAP because our bookings are actually closing in the next six weeks. So please go ahead and do that. Um, we would love to have you guys share the journey with us to New Zealand or also to Africa. So come along and let's explore some nature together. You can also go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and you can post your comments and questions there for us. This has been an absolute treat to share this last hour with you guys. We're going to see you here same time, same station next week on Up for a Chat where you become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we're going to see you on the track. Bye, everyone. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.